Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Maryland Courts. Thomas Brooke. Mailman Steve, Marathon Costume Chick, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course, you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Jonas, welcome to The Adventure Jogger. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Ryan. A big pleasure to be part of it. I saw what you did. I was online, and I'm like, holy cow, there's this German dude who just biked across the United States and then ran back. You biked on a gravel bike from New York all the way across the country to Los Angeles. And then you just, I don't know, you, you, you put the bike on a lock or something. And then you ran back to New York. Exactly. That was my, my last big adventure. Around uh, a bit more than three weeks on a gravel bike. And then in a hundred days uh, running back. One ultra marathon every day, and the New York Marathon to to finish it off. Yeah, what Fantastic a cra- adventure! Absolutely crazy adventure. What was the idea behind this? Why the heck did you want to ride a bike across the United States and then run back to where you're biked from? Well, I'm a professional adventurer, so that's my job since 2017. Mm -hmm. I did first different uh, cycling world records, always crossing continents like uh, the Pan America from Alaska to Argentina or across Africa. And then I did a triathlon around the world uh, during the pandemic. So 120 times Ironman distance um, around the world. And during that project, my original plan was to run across US, but I couldn't get in due to the the pandemic and border closures. And in the end, I went across Mexico and uh, which was fantastic because I, I became a national celebrity as a German Forrest Gump, a pretty crazy story. <laughs> but um, so I still had this unfinished business running across the US. And I, I didn't just want to run across because other people have done it before. I wanted to do something unique. So I thought, well, let's do a double crossing. Which I think you're the, are you the first person to ever bike and then run back? As far as I... I know at least uh, unsupported as I have uh, done it, uh, carrying my luggage, I'm pretty sure I'm the first person. Unsupported. I noticed you had this 
wonderful. It almost looked like a baby carrier that you would strap across your waist when you were running back. You were carrying nearly everything you needed. Uh, yes, I carried everything I needed. And it actually uh, was a baby uh, a stroller. Um, there's a company called Kit Runner. They they made them, and I I just used it for something different uh, for carrying my own luggage. <laughs> and there was a tent and a sleeping bag and, and another pair of shoes and everything inside. And plenty of food, I'm sure. Let's take a, a step back for a minute. You are in Germany and all over the world famous for doing extreme endurance events. You said you biked from Alaska all the way to Tierra del Fuego. Um, so you do the Pan America. You've done the triathlons. Let's go back before that started. What was the moment when you, Jonas, decided, I'm going to enter a world of ridiculous endurance challenges? Where, where were you at in your life and what made you move in that direction? <laughs> Well, I did um, sports, a lot of sports and adventures all my life. Uh, my, my grandfather, for example, was a snake hunter in Africa, so it's a little <laughs> bit also a family tradition. <laughs> and during high school, um, during university, actually, I, I had a lot of time, but no money, and I wanted to see the world, so I, I thought, let's do it on the bike, and I cycled once around the world. That wasn't a record. That was like normal speed, maybe, maybe 70, 80 miles a day yeah. on average. Yeah. And afterwards, I had got this idea or this dream to combine um, endurance uh, with, with adventure. Yeah. And uh, when you do that, you, you arrive at the question, how fast can you cross a continent as a cyclist? Mm. Uh, and that's what I, I started doing. And um, after setting uh, four cycling world records, I, I thought, well, let's, let's try something new. Let's go for a triathlon. I did a triathlon around the world, and now, um, yeah, especially cycling and running are my my two main disciplines. Was cycling first, like the first love of your endurance life? Uh, yes. First cycling and running, I, I always did running also for training, especially in, in winter or when you have, have little time, you're traveling, then you have your running shoes with you. Uh, but by now, I'm also I, very much in love with running. You know, people always talk about the cross-training benefits of running and cycling, right? And I've, I've heard this said a couple of times. You'd be the expert on this, so you can settle this once and for all, Jonas. People have told me that running will help your biking, but biking will not help your running. I don't know if there's any scientific proof to that. You would be the person who can best answer that question. I... I very much disagree with that. Um, it's too. It's it's not that black and white. Mm. Um, I, I think I'm not sure if there's this impression actually in English, but in, in German it does exist. Uh, what I wanted to say it's not that straightforward. Let's say yeah. it, like, call it like that. Yeah. Um, running definitely helps your cycling. Um, it doesn't make you. If you just run, it doesn't mean you are a strong cyclist. But uh, running is a fantastic way to. To to put to train your your base endurance. Mm -hmm. So if I am training for for a cycling competition, and I have uh, during a weekday I have just one hour of time, uh, running an hour is actually more efficient than cycling. It just can't be only running. It can be a, a run, running to put it into your training a little bit uh, does help. But um, the other way around. 
Um, I always struggle after like cycling across the country. The first marathons, they are very painful because it's different muscles. Yeah. So in that sense, for your muscles, it probably doesn't help that much. But if you are a very strong cyclist, that means you have an insanely good endurance. And that means, well, you have to adapt your muscles a little bit, but then you are a very good endurance runner. So, uh, yes, put some cycling into your training and um, and I'm sure at least it, it helps the endurance part of the running. Because I mostly talk to ultra runners, Jonas. You're the first, like, ultra multi-sport athlete that I've talked to. And there, there is this kind of thing with runners, and you probably know this, hanging around lots of runners. I just run. Not going to lift weights. Cross-training's a dirty word. Throwing cycling in every once in a while or even once a week or something, if you take one of your run days and replace it with cycling, do you think that would be an advantage to a runner or would it be just kind of even? Well, it depends what exactly you are training for. What I want to say is if you are an ultra runner, Mm -hmm. And you do nothing else in terms of sports. You are a very good runner, but your body is very, very focused on on one thing. That means uh, you have some strong muscles and you may have some very weak muscles. If you do different sports, especially core strengthening, that actually is very, very useful for, for a lot of different sports. If you are a strong cyclist, that usually means you have a lot of muscles about your knee and that does definitely prevent injury, especially in the long run. So the thing is, if you prepare for your marathon best time, I would probably with limited time stick to running in in the month before the mm. event. Yeah. If you say, yeah, you are an ultra runner and you, you want to do that for the next 30 years, if you in your average training do some cycling and some kind of different sports to not have a a body that's just focused on running um, you will probably be less likely to have injuries so biking can help injury proof your body yes and it still strengthens your uh, your endurance It, it, it definitely so um yeah especially i would i would probably say it like this um, if the that that's valid for for every sports um, in summer before the event event focus on the right discipline in winter two different things two different things in winter not just but uh, in winter if you go cycling once a week I I think it's perfect I oh yeah you know it's it's seasons and I've heard people talk about that before where it's like. You know, especially if you're living in a part of the United States, and I'm sure you hit parts like this when you were on your epic journey back and forth, there are parts of the United States where you can run outside all year round. You know, there's not massive amounts of snow or ice, but it seems like those runners who are out west and that are in climates that see a lot of snow and those athletes have to adjust and switch to ski mountaineering or something else in the winter, and then they've got like three months where they focus on another sport, and then they come back to running when when the snow melts. It seems like they, for whatever reason, 
You can always say the mountains as well, the terrain. There seems to be stronger runners that are at least having multiple disciplines in their training. Um, absolutely. And uh, now there's also one thing that that uh, cross country skiing is actually fantastic for the for the entire body. Yeah. And there's one thing uh, because I say always, uh, and there's actually kind of also some proof if you look at the physiological values of uh, of different athletes. There are very very few disciplines that can can beat an endurance cyclist because if you train for for a marathon or for for an ultra run. Uh, the training hours you put in per week are still really, really low com compared to a cyclist mm -hmm. because uh, you will not run eight hours a day uh, very often. Right. You do that in your race and that's probably it. Right. Uh, you train maybe two hours as a long one or max three hours, uh, most people, and that's absolute max. And uh, for cycling, you go for a six hour ride, you go for a seven hour ride, for eight hour ride. And that is, if we talk about doing an ultra run for 100 miles or something like that, um, you, you can simply running not get your body used to, to, to run 10 hour plus that often because you just won't run 10 hour plus a day very often. Right. But um, if you cycle 10 hour plus sometimes, uh, you still get used to, to doing sports 10 hours a day and that will help. You can only pick one. Okay, the doctor says, you have some strange ailment, Jonas. The doctor says to you, you can only do one. You can run or you can cycle. You have to pick. You, the only exercise you'll ever be allowed to do moving forward is biking or running. Which one would you pick? I would pick cycling, to be honest. I, I, I love running, but, but cycling is, is, still, is still my favorite. Okay, all right, fair enough. But you're but you're an accomplished. But I love both. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're you're accomplished both. Which which discipline has the stranger clothes? Probably cycling. Yeah. Um, they have those very very bright and uh, <laughs> lycra jerseys. So um, yeah, I I think that looks looks a little bit stranger. There's nothing to hide. In a cycling exactly. outfit, where in where when you run, you can have just regular baggy shorts and a t-shirt. There are no surprises in cycling kit. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> How? Do, I'll tell you. For a lot of people, when they think of cycling, and then they'll 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 buy a bike and they'll go try it. For men, especially. You're on the bike for a while and you get you get numb nuts. That's that's a big problem with with people that cycle for the first time is your testicles get numb. And they and then they go, well, why would I want numb testicles? I'll just go back to running. But they've really kind of improved the technology for men on bicycles. They've got like seats now that are better tuned for that and all of that. Basically, what I'm asking you, Jonas, is say is to tell people that it does get better. You're not going to have numb nuts for the rest of your life. No, no, you definitely won't. That simply means you have the the wrong saddle or the wrong position on the bike. Um, I never have any issues with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
that that basically means uh, you should try um, a, a proper bike and uh, and sit properly on it, and then then it will be fine. If your testicles are numb, you're doing it wrong. That's a, that's a good <laughs> good rule to follow when it comes to cycling. <laughs> Yeah, it's the first time that question's been asked, hasn't it? Exactly. I think I never heard that before, but, but absolutely true, yes. <laughs> you know, you've done a couple of these. My goal, Jonas, was not to have you answer the same 50 questions that you've answered over and over again. I wanted to throw a curveball in there just so you, this wouldn't be the standard interview you've done a hundred times. I'm happy to hear that because I, I, I really like if I get questions that, that I, I haven't heard before. Okay, I'm going to do one more question you probably haven't heard before, before we talk about your across America and back. I want to talk about the logistics of it and just kind of, you know, this, from the bulk of my audience are American runners, right? And so this is what we've known our whole lives. And sometimes when you're stuck in something and you're existing in something every day, you miss the bird's eye view. You miss the outsider's view of the reality of your country, right? And so I'd love to get your take on America, the small towns, because you are going through small town after small town after small town. But first, another question you've not been asked, at least I think, as a person who has gone across the United States on a bike and then back across running it, what are the three greatest things? It can be food, it can be drink, it can be culture. What are the three greatest American contributions to the world? That's indeed a question I, I, I never had before. That's two in a um, row. That's, uh, <laughs> pardon? That's two in a row. I got you two questions. Yes, that's absolutely true. Um, I will. I will just say it's it's definitely not food. <laughs> <laughs> You've just insulted three hundred million people, Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're you're pretty famous, um, at least in Europe, for that. Um, it's it's not like Italy. Let's say it like this. <laughs> uh, especially in small town America, that's a, that's a quite big challenge actually to 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 find proper nutrition. Uh, everyone will, will understand that. Wait a minute! You're telling me you didn't go to I, Subway and get a foot long meatball sub every time? I, I did, of course. I did, of course, uh, many, many times. But um, <laughs> it was still a big challenge. But uh, you asked me about um, the big contributions and um, and um, and the things I am I I really loved. And to be honest, it's this this can do mentality that 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 people only have to that degree in in America, mm -hmm. and that means. People, a lot of people are like are like entrepreneurs. Shit happens. It's you don't you just do it. Mm -hmm. And and I, and I love this. Is I I feel like running. Well, I run. I I have a business idea, a dream, and I do it. And uh, I may fail, but then I set up again. And that's of course not not valid for everybody in the U.S. Right. But I have never. I've been to more than hundred countries and. In no other countries, it is country it is uh, to that degree as you have in the U.S. And that is something fantastic when you when you travel because it's a very 
positive uh, spirit. I like this. Okay, you got two more. Can you? Are you going to go with just one thing, or are you going to go with all three? Uh, uh, music. Okay. All right. Uh, there's great music in a lot of parts of the world, uh, world and, and and nice songs, but. Uh, I have to say, like, at least uh, 80% of, of the best songs I ever heard, they come from the US. Okay, fair enough, yeah. And then technology. All right. Something when you are in, 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 in Europe, the same, you see um, kind of um, most actually modern technologies, they, they come from the US, so that is something, um, yeah. Okay. You know, you really brought something into the world. Yeah, but that, those are three great answers. I thought about this reversing it on you. Like, what what do I feel are Germany's three greatest contributions to the world? Um, number one, bratwurst. I don't think there's anything better. I, I mean, when you're talking about sausage in a tube seasoned, there is no better sausage in a tube season than bratwurst is that fair that's that's fair. that's very fair yeah yeah <laughs> I, I know we, we love it we love it here and i know every tourist loves it too oh yeah they're like hey where who, who are them brats at they all want to know um number two i'm not going to say just beer because i don't think it's fair and and people can say it came from other places but i had never been well, i'd never known about this type of beer until a german friend introduced it to me I had never understood what a rattler was. And the rattler, which has the fruit juice and the beer, it's like the lunch beer. That's phenomenal. That is that is fantastic. Why is that not on every shelf in America? Because it sounds like something we would love. Absolutely true. It is something, especially after sports, that is so good to drink. Mm-hmm. It's even you could you could drink it. You could drink it in summer when it's hot um, in the middle of your run, mm-hmm. and it's still fine. It's uh, I love it. I love it. I drink it a lot in Germany, and I have never found it in a good one in any other country in the world. Yeah, I had one in a German restaurant. They said it, the brand that they had. They said they imported from Germany. It was absolutely fantastic. So I've got bratwurst. I've got rattlers, and the last one. Uh, the, a great contribution that Germany has given to the world, the Volkswagen Golf GTI, one of the greatest cars ever made. Uh, thanks. Yeah, we are also very proud on, on those. As you should be. I'd be very proud. If I came up with the GTI, I'd be very proud of that as well. So fair enough. We, we appreciate each other's culture here for a moment. You did bring up food and you did say you did not want to say food as one of America's great contributions to the world. As as a German, making your way across America and back, going through small towns where, guess what? They don't have a, a whole lot of uh, food options for you as you're eating out of gas stations and various fast food restaurants. What was your least favorite meal on your journey across America? Well, uh, let's say it like this. Um, in in bigger cities, you have a lot of variety. Yes. Uh, Mexican food, for example, I, I absolutely love. But in, in small town America, especially in, in the Midwest, but anyway, in, in, in a lot of places, you can choose between a burger, pizza, maybe a sandwich, <laughs> but it is all it, not really like very nutritional let's say it like this there is really not 
uh, not at all any char any anything that's that's healthy. It's uh, everything is fast food. And um, I will also take one example um, that this actually still um, when I have speeches in Germany, I, I always show the picture and to the to the audience and say, well, um, you want to know one thing about my food challenge? Um, I will show you this. And um, I am not I'm not sure if it will be strange for for Americans, but it is for every European. This is like just super, super strange. <laughs> Uh, so there's there's Casey's the the big yes. um, Casey's general chain. store yeah. Casey's, yeah yeah Casey's is good because they have they have pizza and other things they have a, have a lot of things for for gas station and while I was running to the Midwest every Casey had an an advertisement and it said the Midwest breakfast special offer Midwest breakfast and it's a it's a Coke and it's a slice of pizza for breakfast. <laughs> How many Midwest? How many Midwest breakfasts did you enjoy when you were in the when you were in the Midwest? I, I think it makes it makes a pretty good lunch snack, but <laughs> but not for breakfast. Right? Yeah, you're sitting there. Here you are. You're in a big assembly hall filled with Germans, and they have come to hear Jonas Steichmann talk about going across the United States and back. They probably only know America from movies. They know action movies they know the avengers whatever right and so <laughs> you're saying they're all thinking probably all fat too we have the reputation the rest of the world kind of thinks america's a little bigger than we should be so there you are they must have thought you were making that up they must have thought when you got to the midwest breakfast and it was a soda and a slice of pizza that they were probably like he's making this up this can't be real <laughs> But it is real, and um, it, this is um, yeah. It's 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 super funny. It is super super funny if you you, you tell it in Europe. <laughs> At the end, the people are giving reviews of your speech, and they're like, "It was pretty inspiring." But I think that that American breakfast, the Midwest breakfast thing, was a joke. And no, you're right. <laughs> breakfast, a slice of pizza, and a soda. All right, let's talk about the planning to to self I mean this is self-supported so this is not you are not going to have people dropping things off for you and you have to have everything you need especially when it comes to the cycling part of things there is things on the bike that can break right you're taking a bike and you took a gravel bike across the United States and so you weren't on these smooth paved roads you were on a lot of gravel roads and you were off-road in some places how did you prepare for you know carrying and you can only I mean, it's not like you can put everything you need on a bike i mean it's you had limited space how did you plan and, and figure out how to get the bike ready to go across the united states with so many unknowns like you could go crazy planning for do i need an extra one of these how many inner tubes do i need all this stuff how did you plan that leg of the trip well, I have cycled to more than 100 countries and uh, more than half a million of kilometers in my life. Yeah. So I, I pretty much know what I what I need in terms of spares and everything. And uh, the US is, it has longer distances than, than you have in Europe. 
but it's still um, a country where the infrastructure for for bikes is uh, relatively good uh, so at least in, in every few it depends on the region in some in, in some in colorado also the small towns you have a bike shop um, but uh, also in 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 in, 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 in in states where there's not much that cycling uh, not that popular you will still have in in every um, yeah, a little bit larger city. You will have a yeah. have a bike shop with with decent spares and a decent mechanic. So yeah. so uh, that's really not that that uh, big of an issue. Um, the route planning, I have an app which is called Commode, and with that I can easily plan a, a nice route. And then I calculate my daily distances and uh, make a kind of a schedule. I get um, my tent and everything ready, and then I I set off. And a lot of things I, I actually figure out on the way. Um, so it's I have a plan, but I'm always willing to adapt. So you've got a couple of inner tubes, I'm sure, spare. And if you find that you're having to use one, well, then the next time you're in a city, you can re, you can resupply those emergency supplies to keep the bike going. Exactly, exactly. So I, I also want to be uh, want to be light with everything. I don't want to carry too much. And if you if you have infrastructure, especially on the cycling, it's actually easier than on the running because distances are smaller. Yeah. If you do 200k a day, um, that's then you have more supermarkets and everything right. than if you do 50 a day. Uh, so um, I yeah I, I didn't have that that many issues in terms of logistics on the cycling leg. Okay. Favorite part of the country on the cycling route. The Colorado River. So I had a lot of wonderful places like the Rocky Mountains, the Mojave Desert, but my favorite place is um, actually in Colorado, uh, going down from like high up in the Rocky Mountains yeah. onto the Colorado River with this canyon and everything, magical. Yeah, beautiful, I'm sure. And the thing is, you see it in a much, if you were to drive, you wouldn't be able to see the things the scenery, the countryside, as intimately as you do when you're cycling, even more so when you're running. Even when you're cycling, you're moving at a you're moving at a nice clip. You're doing 20 miles an hour, whatever, um, more than you know, give or take. But when you're but when you're running, boy, you are really immersed in the scenery at that point because you're moving at but four miles an hour, five miles an hour, and there you are seeing that constantly. Absolutely, it's a wonderful way to 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 see a country and and experience, and um, cycling and running have a different intensity in that. I mean, in, in cycling, you 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 see more things every day, but in running, you really you get the. Uh, I take the example when I when I cycled across the Midwest, um, especially in Nebraska, it it is pretty much like um, landscape-wise like Kansas. It's a straight mm. and flat road through the fields where not many things happen. And uh, on the bike, I, I didn't really get this feeling how how big it is. Yeah. Compared for, for European, the thing is, America's everything is huge in America. Right. And um, in, in, we have fields, but uh, you, you cycle through and, and a few minutes later, you are out of it. Mm -hmm. And that is very different in the US. Uh, but cycling, you still, um, well, in, in two days, you are across Nebraska and then you can see the Rocky Mountains. And um, running across Kansas is like just 
it's it's not two days it's uh, two days and nothing has changed so um you really uh, um, get this feeling for the for the size of the country and and also the, the local people and everything the culture you, you get it in a in a in a more intense way i did notice your route you went further north on your cycling route out and then you came kind of a little but it wasn't I'm not saying you went too far south. It's they were all within maybe a, a, a hundred miles of each other. Your route, but you went through the middle of the United States. But it wasn't the same route out and the same route back. Um, it must have been nice as you were running. Was there a point? Because here you'd seen it all cycling, right? You you just crossed the United States, powered by yourself on a bike, and then you get off the bike, you hop, you know, you put your running shoes on, and you attach your your baby stroller, and you're running across the United States. There probably was a lot of wonderful moments in that run that maybe you hadn't noticed or anticipated on the bike because you were moving so much faster, where in the run, you were, like you said, you're not you're not going through the fields, okay, I'm done, I'm out of it. You're in the fields for three straight days. Exactly, it's a, it's a very different different experience and there are, there are moments where you yeah you're just faster the bike uh, and on the one you you experiences so much with so much more time the thing is also cycling i do 10 hours a day so so i'm i'm never stopped anywhere for for a long time and and running i'm i have more time to to pitch my tent somewhere in the restaurants and to to enjoy a view so, yeah, you 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 immerse a little bit uh, deeper into the country when you are running. Favorite moment on your journey, either across the, the on the bike or on the run. Favorite moment from this epic trek. Oh, that's hard to pick one. Um, I would say sunrise in the Mojave Desert on the run. Good, good, good choice. I think it's solid, beautiful scenery. A lot of people take pictures of that. You know, people have that as a, as a photograph in their house somewhere. Even though they've not been to the Mojave Desert, you will see people that have that either on their screensaver photo somewhere. You were actually there. Exactly. That's like I was there during the heat wave last uh, last summer. Mm-hmm. So it was like uh, more than fifty degrees Celsius. That must be. More than 110, more than 115 Fahrenheit. Uh, it's insanely hot and uh, merciless. But at sunrise and at sunset, it is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Absolutely, what a great thing to see. Were there was there another was there another moment, a smaller moment maybe that was kind of maybe shocked you, like you weren't expecting it to be as amazing as it was, but turned out to be better than you expected. Uh, there was actually a super super funny encounter. So when I, when I was running in, in Kansas, mm-hmm. I was in Kansas is actually the halfway mark across the US on yeah. my on my route at least. Yeah, and um, it was a very monotonous straight road to the middle of nowhere. It's going straight and straight and straight, and then nothing happens. It was a rainy day, so it's really like one day, like one of those days on the road where you, it's really a little bit boring. And it's I must have been like a few kilometers from the halfway mark, and I. The thing is, I haven't seen any runner or cyclist in the in the western part of the U.S. because of the heat. In the Midwest, uh, nah, not that many 
people into cycling or running. I, I think it starts mm-hmm. a little bit when you go further to the East Coast and or in Colorado or other places, but there are, there are parts of the US where you don't meet that many cyclists and runners. And then in the middle of nowhere, at, the, at exactly the halfway mark, in the, there was somebody coming in my direction. And it was actually a, not a runner, but a, a hiker. He was like, I think already 72, 73 years old. And he was also actually, he was actually walking in the other direction. So it, a little bit slower, but uh, yeah, with more than 70 years. And I, and I was like so strange to see him. It was the only person I met crossing the country, um, two or three kilometers from the halfway point. <laughs> Just coincidence. <laughs> so a 73 year old man is walking across the United States the other way that you're going on the same route. Yes, exactly. Do you remember his name? Uh, I think Phil, but I, I don't really remember the complete name, no. Did you guys have a conversation? Did you stop and go like, well, how about this? Two people crossing the United States on foot. Yeah. Yes, of course. We, we, we stopped uh, quickly for, uh, for a few minutes and talked. It was super funny. And then we continued. <laughs> what are the odds, right? You're probably thinking, I'm in the Midwest. I'm not going to see anybody for a very long time. And then you must have thought maybe that was a mirage or you were hallucinating but there's an old man hiking across the United States. Yeah, yeah, it's super, super strange. It was like also the the first moment I, I really like, oh, what is this? What is this? And <laughs> um, the thing is that that I uh, what is the odd that I that I meet him like at a halfway point? <laughs> right. What are the odds? Right. Here you are near the halfway point in the United States, and you finally see somebody out there on the road. Is there a is there a kind of romanticism about doing like trekking across the United States and Europe because so so many people do come here and try it is it something that people are very interested in and it's kind of like a neat thing I know a lot of some people do it also cycling across the US Um, I'm not sure if it is a I don't think it's a coast to coast thing Mm-hmm. Um, the US, uh, some of the favorite, like the, the Route 66, for example, is yeah. super, super famous in, in Europe. And uh, I think in terms of road trips, uh, be it running, cycling or motorbiking or whatever, um, the western part of the US is super, super famous. Mm-hmm. And then things like the Pacific Crest Trail or also the Tour Divide are, are, are things we, we do know that in, in, in Europe. Not that much, actually, the, the Appalachian Trail, for example, mm. uh, because it looks uh, like a lot of parts of Europe. Uh, the Appalachians, they look, for example, like a lot of places in, in Germany. Uh, but the West is so, for somebody from so from Europe, very unique. We don't have this here. And I think that's why, why uh, yeah, people are, um, have kind of this in mind. And it's also from, like, the movies and everything. If you think about the road trip, um, yeah, where's the road trip? It's, it's somewhere in Nevada or Arizona or Utah. This is where where this, the images of a road trip come come to your mind. That's interesting because when you said that it's like the Appalachian Trail, it's like eh, because it's like we have we. It looks like what we have, but out west, it doesn't look like what you have, and so there's more of a draw to this foreign landscape, this different romanticized. Uh, uh, landscape of the Western United States, where you're like, eh, Appalachia could be B- Bulver- Bavaria, you know? Exactly. I'm not saying it's not nice. Right. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I, I, I'm just saying if you fly um, across an ocean, mm-hmm. 
you don't fly there uh, to see something that looks kind of similar like what you have at home. Right. You, you fly there to see something, something unique, something that's different. I remember years ago when I flew into Austria, and I'm originally from the the state of Wisconsin. You know, I was spent some time in Austria and Germany, and I was reminded so much of home because of the landscape looks so familiar. And I was like, well, this makes perfect sense why so many Germans immigrated to the United States and moved to the Midwest and the Wisconsin Milwaukee area because it just it looks so similar to what I what I saw there. Landscapes are the same. Trees are not exactly the same, but similar. So yeah, you're right. You, you want to see something just a little bit different. I do think if your book, your book is called Crossing America, you've got a film as well called Trans America Twice. I do think, and with all the lectures you're giving and, 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 the, and the speeches that you're doing, you may create a new form of American tourism. So much is people going out west, people going on the East Coast. I think we're going to see a huge uptake in European tourists going to the Midwest so they too can experience the Midwest breakfast. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure actually. Um, um, I, I think actually um the images and everything i i i i have my book about the, the west and the midwest uh, i i maybe some um, some of them are choosing the midwest but uh, i think most uh, go for the other option <laughs> please if you are a european and you do go to the midwest please go to a casey's general store please have the midwest breakfast take a photo Put it on Instagram and tag Jonas in that picture so he can give him credit for starting. And the next thing you know, you're going to be like Casey's General Store, which has 100% of their stores in the Midwest, has now branched out because of a man's trek across the United States. There's so much demand. They're, they're making a Casey's General Store in, in, in Germany. <laughs> That'll be one. <laughs> so you too can have the Midwest breakfast from the comfort of your own country. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a funny idea oh, yeah. definitely yeah so let's, let's, let's make that happen um, what did you learn about yourself in that trek across the United States and back that's not an easy feat that's a lot of time moving on your own two feet or with the power of your, of your legs what did you learn about yourself in that time yeah, well, I have to say, um, it's not my first uh, big journey like that. Yeah. So I already know know a lot, a lot of things uh, for me. But what I always learn is, especially if I do different disciplines, not uh, not just cycling, but also running, for example, I learned that there's always better things are all better days are always coming. If I have a low point, if things are painful, better times are coming, and I, I always believe in that. So as long as the mindset is, is positive and you can recover from everything. Mm -hmm. That's a good mindset to have. Was there something like a misconception maybe you had about the United States that you found to not be true, uh, spending so much time on foot in the, in the country? Well, this, the thing is, 
I'm pretty sure Europeans know more about the US than the other way around in general, simply mm -hmm. due to the fact that yeah. um, you have uh, US is so present in movies and books on in the news. So um, every European will know the president of the US, but um, the other way around, uh, probably not. Um, you know, know what, I'm, what I mean? So it's, it's simply way more present yeah. uh, in Europe because it's, it's just such a big country also the US. And the thing that I was, that I really learned during that trip is um, everything, all the stereotypes and, and all the images and everything from the movies and what, what people in Europe think about the US, uh, it is all true. <laughs> but only for some parts. The US has everything, absolutely everything. You cannot compare one state with another one. You cannot um, compare culture. You cannot compare politics or whatever it is. Um, it can be completely different. And I think this is a, is a bit of a misconception that, conception that, that people have in Europe. You're right about so many things. Um, the fact that you know way more about us than we know about you. Um, I'm so happy you did not ask me who the current chancellor of Germany is um, because I probably would have got that wrong. And I'm sure you're going to be telling your friends like, you know, what's proof that Americans know nothing about Europe. I was interviewed by this dude and he said Germany's greatest contributions are Bratwurst, Rattlers, and the Volkswagen Golf GTI. If, if <laughs> He could have picked so many other things and he picks those because he has no idea. Well, well, those are fantastic things about, about Germany, uh, without doubt. And the thing is, um, I, I, I don't want to say that, that, that Europeans know more in that sense. That's not what, yeah. that's not what I wanted to say. Right, the thing right. is, um, America is as big as Europe. Right. So uh, if a, a European may know something about other European countries, and um, but the European will have no idea about different states in the US. No idea. And the US is so big. Um, if you know about different parts of the US, that's basically the same if, if, if I know something about Spain and France. So it's simply... Due to the size also, um, the focus on media and everything is simply less international because um, you have everything there. Um, is your chancellor still Angela Merkel? Uh, actually not. Ah! That's, that's That's has been a few years. Damn it! It's, at Helmut, it's not Helmut Kohl either. That guy's probably dead at this point. Uh, that's, uh, that's like more than 20 years back. But <laughs> Damn. Uh, he was there for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, but, this but, this would be like you but, saying. But both, <laughs> but, but both have been have been chancellors, so it's it's actually true. <laughs> That'd be like you saying, "Is the president is the current president of the United States Bill Clinton?" That's essentially what I just did. <laughs> um. Who is the current prime minister of Germany? So I never forget. Uh, that's actually uh, Olaf, Olaf Scholz in Germany. Olaf Schwartz. I was going to guess yeah. Olaf Schwartz. That was my, my, my next guess after Angela Merkel. <laughs> okay, Jonas, I'm not saying everybody has the time or can make things work with their life to take an epic journey like what you did going across the United States and then back. Do you think, though, that there's a smaller way that someone can 
experience kind of what you experience on a smaller scale? And is there a value in that? Of course. Um, if you want to do a big um, adventure a journey, uh, take the, the next weekend. Get your running shoes, get your get your bike and, and cycle to the the next mountain, the next uh, larger town, uh, the next interesting place. Uh, sleep there, and the next day you go back, and and you you will have an have had an incredible experience. And uh, afterwards, you can have more. Um, the distances are in the end uh, in your mind, and the important thing is at some point you have to start. And uh, then, uh, yeah, if, then you go for a week, and then you see, hey, this is not that far. And you will quickly realize that crossing a country is actually possible. Mm-hmm. So start small. Just know that because you can't, your first time out's not going to be getting you on the news, taking some time on your own feet, doing something big is, is, is it has value in it, and it could lead to something bigger. The, the thing is, um, not you can also start big. Um, I, I just think starting small is, is easier. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to say is start now. That's the, the main message. Because if you don't start now, uh, well, you you will always delay your decision. You will delay your dream. And uh, let's be honest, life um, can take different turns. There's always something that can uh, get in the way. Mm-hmm. So start with now and you will learn it's actually not that difficult. Good stuff all the way around. Okay, you've you've run the Pan Am. You've done a triathlon across the world. You biked across the United States, ran the way back. What is next for you? Well, now I really want to say, we want to test what's possible. And I'm 36 now, so that's the age of my, well, physical high point, let's call it like this. And on May 9th, I will start uh, the biggest challenge of my life, 120 full distance Ironmans, Ironman distances in 120 days. Every day, one full length triathlon. Wow. Are you going to do it all in one place? You're going to do it from home or or are you going to try to move around? Uh, not from home. Uh, the world's biggest uh, triathlon is actually in Germany. It's called uh, Challenge Road. And I'm going to do that one 120 times in a row. Ooh, holy, holy cow. Wow. Okay. Is that going to be, that'll be a new world record, won't it? Uh, exactly. The current uh, world record is uh, 105. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going for 120 because I did 120 Ironman distances around the world, um, just not in, in 14 months. Yeah. And uh, now I do it uh, a bit a bit quicker. Do you think the, the, the time spent on the bike and running across the United States, because you, I mean, you finished that up in November of 2023, so that's near not too far removed from that. Do you think that will it's kind of set you up for success in an endeavor like this, having done as many ultra distance days that you had definitely uh, the the running distance is actually um, pretty much ex- exactly the same uh, that i did it across the us i did uh, i did one ultras uh, so uh, that was yeah perfect preparation and um, now uh, swimming is is the shortest discipline so so with this the us project was actually already also as a training for the uh, for the for my new challenge mm-hmm. All right, good stuff. How do you 
recover. Because you got to think about, you got to recover at the end of each day. So if you spend, I don't know how long you plan on spending each day doing these things, would it be about 16 hours about? Because you don't want to do it too fast or what's kind of the goal for time-wise? More or less 12 hours, which is like a very comfortable speed. And then I eat, I sleep, and I repeat. And four months later, I'm done. All right. Best of luck to you. If anyone can do it, you can. Thank you so much for spending some time with me this afternoon on The Adventure Jogger. Jonas, um, your movie and your book. I know you just signed 1,200 copies of your book. Uh, Your book is available in English if people want to check it out. Where can they find it? Uh, The book is actually only uh, available in in German and Ah! Spanish, but the film is available in English on uh, my YouTube channel. Okay, so go to Jonas's YouTube channel. Is there any any desire to put out an English version of your book? Uh, yes, but in the end, I have a publisher. So um, in the end, it's a publisher who decide who decides that um, I do sell the rights for the book to the publisher, and so it's not my my call in the end. But uh, we are talking about the English version. Uh, um, but English book market is is, is complicated um, because again here. The U.S. is a, such a big country that uh, we do read Americans' books in the in the U.S., but mm-hmm. very few German books make it uh, the other way. So um, yeah, it's 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 a complicated topic. Gotcha, gotcha. But go check out the the movie. It's called Trans America Twice. You can find that on Jonas's YouTube channel. Thanks, man. I really appreciate this chat and coming on the Adventure Jogger. Me too. Thanks a lot, Ryan. <laughs>